1: Hi and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting.
0: My name is Chris. I am an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor, or opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety.
1: So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of the disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you'll at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. And if you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body, coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops, and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many, and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery which is discussed at meetings, which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So, let's meet our guest. I wonder if you'd like to introduce yourselves and give us a quick sketch of who you are, maybe starting with your age and how long you've been sober.
0: Yeah, Hi, my name's Chris and I'm an alcoholic and I'm 74 years of age and I've been sober 29 years, it will be 30 in October.
1: Thanks, and can you tell us about what you've done workwise and and uh, your family?
0: Yeah, I grew up in Linwood and Christchurch and I had a really good upbringing, um, two loving parents, and um, I... Initially went to school in in Linwood, and then my parents shifted out to in North Canterbury, in 1958. And um, my father took over the country store with my mum. Um, and then the the, the th- what happened with that was my mother um, sadly passed away at 49 of a massive brain hemorrhage. I was working at a bank. I left school and worked at a, at the National Bank here at Manchester Street. So I left um, with my wife, who at that stage was five months pregnant, with our first child, um, and we went out to Cust and worked. Um, I worked for Dad for two and a half years. Um, yeah, then I um, eventually we busted up, as parents and kids do when they're working together, and believe it or not, it was over alcohol. Right. Um, it was as simple as... Um, Dad was up at the local pub and he was supposed to be babysitting for my wife and I so we could go out and I could have my fill. Um, And he refused to leave the pub and come and babysit. So that was the finish of that working arrangement. Um, We shifted back to town and I had a a job um, as a pay clerk, which bored me stupid. Um, And then at 25, uh, married with two children, I joined the police, um, which was a 30-year career. Yeah, I don't know. Is that what you want for the minute? Yes,
1: yep. yes, yes, it is. I wonder if you could tell us about when you started drinking and how old were you and, and what did your first drink do for you?
0: Yeah, I um, I started drinking at around about 14 years of age and, and this is a bit ironic in a way because we were living in the country and I was working for the North Canterbury Transport, cutting hay and um, grain and, and you know driving trucks around paddocks. And it was Christmas, and there was a Christmas um, function, which, which it turned out that my future father-in-law was at. Um, right. And that was, that's the first time I can remember drinking alcohol, because in the country, it doesn't matter whether you're 14 years of age, you're one of the workers and you have Christmas drinks. Right. That's the first time I can remember getting intoxicated. And what did it feel like for you? Absolutely fantastic. It was the elixir of life. Um, yeah, no, absolutely fantastic.
1: And when did you sort of start to drink and how were you drinking? Were you drinking socially alone, binge drinking? What what did the sort of the pattern, bec- what was it like early
0: on? Yeah, during um, like 14, 15, 16, it wasn't too bad. Um, I managed to get into the first 15 at Rangura High in 1964 um, and there was a lot of drinking around that. Even yeah. though I was only 16 years of age, I remember going on a, um, a trip over to Hokitika to play Western High and, um, And that involved um, being billeted out and being around the back of hotels to get booze. Um, That was at the ripe old age of 16. So, yeah, yeah, that that was, yeah. And then, yeah, now I can remember from way, way back that, um, I mean, primarily my background is I'm a bins drinker. I only have one problem when I start. I can't stop. Yeah. Um, Absolutely loved the stuff. Um, And it started causing problems. Yeah. Round about I don't know, I had a I had a bad motor accident when I was sixteen and the other guy was drunk. Um and then I had two further motor accidents in the, in about an eighteen month period and, and I was had been drinking in both those occasions. So yeah. um yeah. Um yeah, it was causing problems.
1: Yeah, so so you realised that you needed to stop?
0: Not at that age, no. Brian. I was loving it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely loving it.
1: And what, what made you realize, though, when you got to the point that you did need help?
0: Yeah, it, it was a long journey because, I mean, when I was younger, I used to be quite proud of my um, huge capacity for alcohol. Right. You know, And I grew up in an area era through the 60s where um, what we did then is we went out on a Friday night and got drunk, drove home. Saturday night, got drunk, drove home. That's just the way it was. Yeah. Um, and after having those f- first three accidents, I did pretty good. Um, until I was about 25. Um, And yeah, that's another story. I had another accident after I was drinking just after having joined the police, um, which wasn't an auspicious start.
1: Yeah. Were you scared when when you were having accidents when you were drinking? Did it worry you?
0: Not necessarily. No, it was just, uh, you know, it was the inconvenience of it all really, and the shame and insurance issues. And, um, you know, and as a, as a, as a, teenage boy I loved cars and yeah um yeah it was more of an inconvenience I, I at that stage I had no idea I had a problem
1: yeah did you ever get in trouble with the law with your drinking
0: no well that's another story completely um and it's as good a time as any but I, I was um as I said I lasted 30 years and the only reason I lasted 30 years is because I got sober um and I um was simultaneously a, a, a policeman and a recidivist drunk driver. Yeah. Um, and one of the benefits of being a policeman, like we would work night shift and start drinking at seven in the morning and be be drunk by midday on a Monday and then drive home, and and nobody's looking for drunk drivers at midday on a on a Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did how did
1: that sit with you?
0: Well, it was the, just the culture at that yeah. time. We're talking. I joined the police in 1973, um, and and I, I was a policeman through to 2003. Um and it, it wasn't causing the problem. But it's interesting that when I did get sober, a lot of my friends said, oh, but you didn't have a problem, Chris. They didn't recognize it. But yeah. there's one person um, in this world that um, n- would never, ever question that I'm an alcoholic, and it's my wife. Yeah. Because she was the only person that really saw yeah. the full gambit of my alcoholism. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think... Where my rock rock bottom took me is, um, and I believe, rightfully or wrongfully, that any drinking alcoholic is a manic depressive. Right. I think that when you, this is my story, I I don't know about other people, but um, like when I was drunk, I was high as a kite, the world was my oyster, and I loved everything, you know. And then the following morning, as as my drinking um, progressed, I would I would be in the depths of depression, and if there was one word that if, when people ask me why did I stop drinking, if there's one word, it's the depression, yeah. and and the guilt and the shame, yeah, um, and yeah. Um, so just sort of getting on to my stopping, it took me three goes. Yeah. Um, the first incident that I can remember that led me to AA and the very first time was an all day into the night because I, I, you know, my drinking often lasted 24 hours and one, one go um, and I was actually working out at the police station at the airport actually and about one o'clock in the morning I fell down a flight of stairs, badly sprained my ankle and just about um, put my head through the wall. Um, and as I and I and I cringe when I say this, but you know, at the end of that, you know, I, I ring my wife, you know, over in Burwood to come out to the airport to pick me up to take me home, which was my path of the course with me. Yeah, I'd be drunk in town in the early hours, and I'd ring my wife, who would have to leave the little children and come and pick me up, and, and I'm totally ashamed of that now. Yeah. Um. But that's that's where the, the disease took me. So the the first time, um, that I think was the beginning of '91. And I stayed sober for eight days. I had a party to go to, um, and I couldn't see um, going to a, I think it was the 40th party without booze. So I was back on it for another year. Um, Then more bad stuff happened, which I won't go into, but it was totally humiliating. And and I went back to AA for another two months. Yeah. Got thirsty. Went back and drank for another um, six months. And my last drink was on October the 4th of 1992. Yeah. So my AA birthday is the 5th of October, 92, and my higher power, God, call him what you like, has got a sense of humour because it actually coincides with my wife and I's um, wedding anniversary. And um, we were, it was the 24th wedding anniversary, nothing to do with me whatsoever. That's, I'd had enough. Yeah. I'd had enough. I knew where to go. Yeah. Um, and I went to um, an AA meeting at the Peterborough Street, I think it was midday on a Monday. And I've shared this many times, but it was full of smoke at that stage the yeah. smokers' meeting. It was full of um unsavory tattooed <laughs> guys yeah. who would most likely be on the opposite side of the law to me yeah, um, but I felt comfortable, and I knew that I was in the right place yeah and um yeah and i haven't I have not drunk since that since the fifth of october ninety two yeah um and can I say and it, it hasn't happened by osmosis it's been. I've been, you know, I'm very, very staunch on, on going to AA meetings. I've always had a sponsor. Yeah. Um, done the steps. I hand over on a daily basis. I do my readings. Um, and seriously, the, the, the most important thing in my life is, is to maintain my sobriety.
1: Yeah. So you've sort of half answered this question already, but the question is how have you managed to, to stay sober how do you, what do you do to ensure your sobriety? And you've already kind of covered that. Would you like to elaborate a bit more?
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things I would like to say now too is that um, I am incredibly grateful to my wife who stayed with me through this whole period. Um, and Are you
1: surprised super- that she did?
0: Well, I think I just got in in time. Right. Um, and we've talked about it since. You know, I got when I got sober, our boys, and we've got three three sons, um, they were just starting to leave home, and Glennis is a wonderful wife and mother. Yeah. Um. And very maternal. And I think if they, if I had still been drinking when they, when they left home, I think Glennis would have been the next one out the door. Right. And I think I put that down to the fella upstairs, basically. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you? And I hope you don't mind me asking this because it's a bit sort of off. Do you make a living amends to her for the, for the damage that you caused?
0: I try to. I try to, but I am short on domestic chores and cooking. I must <laughs> say, but the one thing I will say is we're most likely living in the nicest house we've ever lived in. Um, and I put, I frequently said that, that that's a step nine job for me. Yeah, um, you know she's in, and she's living in the city she wants to be in, and she's in a really beautiful home. And so, yeah, I've done that. But
1: nice. So, how would you describe yourself and the life that you have today?
0: Oh, it's absolutely fantastic! It, it's um, yeah, beyond my wildest dreams. And um, like the stuff that we've done sober, that I've done sober, and Glenys has been along the journey most of the way. And just just a, a very quick resume of that is that um, like one of the notable things is that our um, our younger son Nick got married in Spain and way back in two thousand and one. Um, we married Anna, um, and we went over for the wedding. Um, and and that was amazing, um, sober. And we've been back several times. Um, I retired at 55 years of age. We got yeah. a big Joko Caravan Land Cruiser. We spent three years going all over New Zealand from one end to the other. Um, just fantastic. you know. And that stuff would never have happened if I had been drinking, never, yeah. Yeah. never.
1: And how do you feel your life has changed since you've become sober?
0: I think the most significant thing is and I'm sure my wife would say this too: is that I've become reliable. Yeah. Um. In my alcohol, you know, my active alcoholism, I was totally unreliable. In fact, I was almost reliable in a negative way that I would never ever come home when I said I was. You're going to come reliably home. Unreliable. unreliable. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
1: absolutely. And what about your relationships with, like, your friends, family, loved ones? How have they changed since you've been sober?
0: No. That yeah. No. They're, they're really, really good. I've got a. Um, I've got a really good relationship with all my boys. Yeah. Um, all three of them. Have
1: they noticed the difference between were they old enough?
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I'd have to think a bit hard. They were sort of late teens when I got sober, and and they will actually tell you that um, they can't remember it affecting them too much. Right, which nice. I find quite extraordinary because I used to have one man parties with the stereo, you know, yeah. th- at, at all hours of the day and. And, um, yeah, in fact, one of the, I'll, I'll just mention that One of the things that led me to my rock bottom was that my wife, um, not long before I got sober, she rung Alan on. Right. And the one bit of advice they gave her is to leave me alone. Don't interfere with my drinking where she used to get up at three o'clock in the morning, and tell me, just turn the, turn the stereo down and come to bed. And we'd have a right royal argument. She stopped doing that. Right. And right at the end, like, I was still sitting at the table drinking alcohol at eight o'clock in the morning. As my kids were getting up to go to work and school, and right. it took me down to that rock bottom of guilt and shame and red face, blue nose, just yeah. absolutely horrible. Yeah. Um, so that, bit of that, because she hasn't been an active Al Anon person, but that one bit of advice right. helped me get to the bottom.
1: Excellent. So AA has been described as a um, as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean for you?
0: Oh, it's huge. It's huge, and I mean, I grew up with a wee bit of a well, not a wee bit. I grew up with a religious upbringing, um, and went to Bible class and Sunday school, and even went voluntarily to church for a while in my in my sort of yeah. My, my, but as you know, basically, you know, cars, girls, and alcohol got in the way. Yeah. Um, and what I have realised in AA that spirituality and religion are two different things. Yeah. And I love the simplicity of the AA program to have a, a God or a higher power of my understanding. There's, yeah. there's no dogma. Yeah. I'm not told I have to be a Roman Catholic or I have to be a Buddhist or, a, um, you know, a, whatever. I, you know, I can make those decisions for myself. And yeah. and, and I, it, to me, it is a spiritual program. Yeah. And I love that.
1: What does a life lived on a spiritual basis look like for you?
0: Well, as I said previously, it, it, like I, I do my daily prayers and I hand over to the, the the man or woman or whatever upstairs and I ask them to keep me clean and sober for another 24 years, sorry, 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing that for all my sobriety and I think it works along with meetings and all the other strategies that, that we do.
1: Yeah. And what about sponsorship? You just mentioned that before. Um, how do you think sponsoring, you said you're sponsored, um, I'm assuming that you sponsor people. How do you think being a sponsor... Um, to other men how do you think that affects your sobriety what do you think you get back from that
0: oh masses masses yeah no I've 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 had continuous sponsors I've had three yeah I've been lucky so they've all been pretty long term sponsors I don't consider myself to be the best sponsor in the world I've sponsored a lot of people yeah um I but it hasn't necessarily lasted I've got a really um good sponsor at the minute that um is um, yeah, we have a really, really good relationship, and no, it's it's massive. One of my the real joys for me is going to AA meetings, see people coming in, really, really sick and really, really unwell, and watching them grow. The change is amazing, isn't it? Absolutely, and I, I look, I can remember, um, like yeah, my home group is, is Mahu on a Sunday morning, and. And there's one young man who's come in there, and I've watched him over the last couple of years. His growth has been absolutely huge. Yeah. You know, he was both physically and mentally very, very unwell, and now he is just a box of birds and yeah. and a wonderful, wonderful speaker. And it's I find that really rewarding.
1: Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it, to yeah. see the change? Yeah. yeah. It really is. So I wonder, Chris, can you tell me what's one of the best things that's happened to you in sobriety?
0: Oh, I think one of the best things is that the. Um, you know, my marriage has just growing, and it's given us the ability to do all the things that we wanted to do. Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, that's, you know, trips to Spain, traveling around in a caravan. Um, and to this very day, you know, we still have a very active life. And, yeah. and I put all that down to my sobriety.
1: Yeah. And the opposite of that, what's the worst thing that's happened since you've been sober?
0: yeah the the worst thing that's happened since I've been sober is that we had a um, a, a granddaughter um, summer who sadly um, suffered from um, anorexia nervosa and other mental health issues and she was our firstborn um, grandchild, granddaughter, and um, she had a real struggle. She spent a year in sea ward um, because of the eating disorders and then um, she was in the um, youth mental health facility at PMH and she was she was a self harmer and um, she also had multiple um, attempts to commit suicide right and the, and the very worst happened in um, in fact her anniversary 's not long gone she, 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 um, she committed suicide on the um, the fifteenth of April um seven years ago, whatever that was and and she didn't actually die for a couple of days because she'd become an organ donor. And if you know anything about that, they have to keep them alive yeah. so that they can harvest the organs, which, which was good. But um, that was the very worst thing. And I think what I mean, when to mention around that, that I, I never at any stage going through that process thought of drinking. Yeah. So that actually taught me, because that was something I was also very, very fearful of, that if yeah. something really, really bad happened, yeah. whether I could maintain my sobriety. And yeah. I did. Um, and, and the other thing that's happened through that is we, we don't blame anybody. Yeah we don't blame the system parents step parents whatever it's it, it i think it was most likely more genetical than anything else yeah and we just celebrate the the, the lovely 17 years she was a talented um, pianist and, and violinist and she played the cello um and yeah so what i'm saying there is doesn't you know you, really really bad stuff can happen and you can still maintain your sobriety yeah i
1: guess it's it's interesting too when you can get to a stage that think a drink will not help and you know categorically that it won't. But I can certainly relate to the to the idea that something may happen, and, and it pushes you over to the edge. Thank you for that. If we've got a, if we've got listeners at home and they're um, wondering if they have a drinking problem, what advice would you give someone?
0: Yeah, I think. In, in answer to that, I think um, I, I just want to say that my I feel that there's a lot of misunderstanding about alcoholism out there. A lot of people think it's how much and how often. Yeah. I don't think that's the case at all. I think the true the true um, way you know whether a person's alcoholic or not is what happens when they drink. Yeah. Um, and for me anyway, in my experience, it is the inability to stop. Yeah. And um, as I say, I was a binge drinker and I could sometimes go for a week. But once I started, I couldn't stop and I yeah. got into trouble. So that's the real question that people ask: not how often or how much. What happens when you do? Yeah. And can you stop? Yeah. Particularly if you get that rosy glow, you know, you've had enough to feel really, really good. You've got the effects inside you, and um, they reckon one of the testers then to tell that that person you can't drink anymore. And I know this alcoholic. Um, I used to get really, really whole mood change. Get yeah. really snarly. Get really, really horrible if the tap was turned off. Yeah, um, and. The other, and one of my, my second sponsor used to say this all the time, is the other advice I would give, you have to do it for yourself. Yeah. Not for your wife, not for the marriage, not for the judge. You have to do it for yourself. Otherwise, yeah. it's not going to work.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. What questions would you ask somebody to help them decide if they need help?
0: Yeah. A, a, a wee bit of what I've just described, yeah. you know, their inability to stop. But I think one of the other questions I ask, you know, um, Think about some of the bad things that have happened in your life, some of, you know, the domestic arguments you've had or, yeah. you know, the cars that you may or may not have crashed. Um, you know, what part did alcohol play in that? Yeah. You know, or some of the nasty, nasty things you've said to other people yeah. and you felt really guilty about afterwards. And yeah. then ask the question, would that have happened if I hadn't have been drinking? Yeah. Um, and I think most times you answer those questions, if I hadn't have been drinking, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. OK, Chris, thanks so much for coming in and sharing your story with us. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800-AA-WORKS. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experience. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesdays at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past show on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe, and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, and if you don't, we can help, and you don't have to do it alone. We're now going to close the show with a serenity prayer, as we do in every AA meeting. God, God grant grant me the the serenity to to accept accept the things things I cannot change, change, courage to change, to change the things, things I can, can and the, the wisdom, wisdom to know, to know the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.